I'm Dr. Michael Latola. And I'm Megan Strong. A British man has figured out how to bleach your teeth in the time it took me to say that sentence. That story and more on today's Chairside Live. Welcome to episode 28 of Chairside Live. Megan, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. We've got a nice episode for you today. We have a case of the week, actually two of them. I was walking through our biotemps department in the laboratory and I saw a couple cases that show one of my favorite things to do with biotemps and that's developing ovate ponic receptor sites. So I'll share those cases with you at the end. But first, we're going to go to a segment that some call viewer mail. This week's letter comes from Dr. Rick Zepka from Ohio, and he writes in, he says, Dear Dr. Detol and Megan, I've been watching your weekly show from the first episode, and I am a huge fan. Thank you, Rick. Uh, I love it. In all your episodes, I see the plastic triple trays or plastic three-way trays not cut in the posterior. I read a long time ago, I don't remember where, that when a patient bites down on a plastic triple tray, that the tray may be distorted when they bite down and have memory and flex back when they release, therefore distorting the final impression. I therefore now take my impressions by cutting or totally removing the posterior section of the tray. My crowns have been fitting wonderfully. Is this something that only I do or is this widely done or not an accepted technique? Well, Rick, first of all, let me say that if your crowns are fitting wonderfully, do not change anything you are doing. I mean, don't change brands of impression material, don't change trays, don't. If things are falling into place, remain steadfast and do not experiment because I've done that before and it's always painful when things get out of whack and things aren't fitting anymore. I agree with you that uh, if a patient bites down on the tray uh, while the impression's setting, that there could be some bounce back afterwards. Uh, the thing I don't like about plastic trays is kind of how flimsy they are. And if we were to cut the back off of this, it would become probably even more flimsy. And we, we need a very stiff material uh, to keep this tray holding its shape. I prefer, uh, if I'm going to use a metal disposable tray, the Quad Tray Extreme from Clinician's Choice, very little um, bounce back when I push it together and try to squeeze it because it's a metallic tray and it's got a very thin posterior bar in the back so that the patients uh, usually don't bite down on that when they bite together. And if I'm going to use a non-disposable tray with a disposable insert, this is the Trio Tray Pro from Triodent now being distributed by um, Ultradent here in the U.S. And again, this one doesn't bend at all, which is why it's one of my favorite trays. And it's got a very thin, again, posterior bar in the back. It's got a tall area for the cuspid in the front, so it'll hold the impression material against the tooth. A lot of nice things that I can say about this tray. And yeah, the trays are a little more expensive, but all you're replacing is the insert on the inside of it. And I always make sure with either of these metal trays that we put it in the patient's mouth and we have them bite down into it while the cord's still in place before there's any impression material several times to make sure they can get together. And I check, they bite down on the tray and we check the contralateral teeth to make sure they're all the way uh, together. And in that way, we make sure that they're gonna be able to do it and replicate that once we put the impression material uh, on the inside. So even though my preference or for somebody looking for a new tray is to refer them to one of these two metal trays, if you're using the plastic double arch trays and cutting the back and getting great clinical results, please uh, don't stop and don't change that technique at all. In fact, Rick also has a follow-up question. He says, every once in a while while taking a triple tray impression, a patient does not bite properly. If the impression is acceptable but the bite's off, I normally take a bite and send it in with the impression. Does this work for the lab or would you guys prefer a whole new uh, triple tray impression? 
Well, Rick, that's a, a, another great question. And your way of doing it where if the patient bites down kind of crooked and you try to get them to slide, but they can't slide over and you say, okay, just hold still. And they hold still for the four minutes and you take it out and you can see the prep really cleanly, but the bites off, you can take a separate bite registration. And then we pour the two parts of the model in the double arch tray, and then we mount them with your separate bite. That's not quite as accurate as if you were to take a second double arch impression with the patient biting correctly, because then we can put the articulator onto the two models and then separate them for the first time uh, once the articulator is already hooked on. That's the secret of the double arch tray and why the bite that we get with that is more accurate than if we pour two models and put them onto a bite registration. So bottom line, it'll still work if you get a great impression and the bite's off and you want to send a separate bite registration. But it works even better if you just go ahead and take a new double arch impression where the prep looks good and the bite is correct as well. We can work with either, but the second one is preferable. Thank you, Rick, for the letter and for your input. We have for you a wonderful picture of Megan and a somewhat acceptable picture of me on its way in the U.S. Postal Mail out to your office. Now let's go to Megan and the news. If you dread going to the dentist, you can blame your parents. A new study from a university in Madrid, Spain, shows that fear of the dentist is passed on from parent to child. According to the study, fathers who feared the dentist were more likely to pass on those fears to their children. Mothers can pass on the fear as well, but the mother is also influenced by her husband. Fear of the dentist often starts from a bad experience, the feeling of not being in control, or just being uncomfortable. According to one study, it is estimated that about 5% of people have severe dental fear. So if I heard you correctly, it's, is it the husband who's the, the problem? Right, it's the father. And I think this is just one more reason to blame your parents and spend some time in counseling for years. But yeah, so I guess it's the father and then the mother can pass it on as well. My experience has been that people who have a dental phobia, and we certainly see a lot of them, uh, tend to have had a traumatic experience early in their life, usually between the age of, say, three and six and something bad happened at the dentist the dentist mm -hmm. held them down a dentist didn't give them enough anesthesia and when something happens at that age uh, it becomes a phobia whereas if you're older and you're 20 and right. you have a bad dental experience you say okay that was a bad dentist I don't want to go back to that dentist sure. anymore so certainly things like that uh, I can see the parents completely influencing it but one bad experience uh, between the age of three and six leads to somebody who's going to need uh, Valium perhaps before sure. you do this procedure and it's a very slow process to walk them through that fear and get them to the point where they can be comfortable coming back. Hmm. Anything else? Yes. A man who sold teeth whitening products with dangerous peroxide levels up to 100 times the legal limit is now in jail. The 64-year-old British man was sentenced to 16 months in jail for misleading consumers and for a string of breaches of the 2008 Cosmetic Product Regulations Act. The legal limit of hydrogen peroxide is 0.1% of the overall product, and he sold teeth whitening products that were found to contain 103 times that. He was warned in 2007 that the product was illegal, but he continued to sell it. Consumers are urged to make sure that they are purchasing goods like this from a reputable source. Well, I think the key word there is a British man. Right. The fact that he's British. He's got a lot to work with. I always go back to that episode of The Simpsons where they right. showed the uh, big book of British smiles. And, and I've been over there a couple times. And I huh. think, uh, in fairness to him, he saw some of the smiles, perhaps on his own relatives, and thought this regular uh, percentage is not going to be We're enough. We're going to go to Extra heavy strength. Duty. Yeah, it won't right. be enough. We need to go to... Uh, maximum strength. Right. But that being said, uh, that concentrated a level of hydrogen peroxide is obviously going to be 
damaging uh, to the teeth. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that the uh, authorities got the opportunity to sit him down and say once and for all, look, you cannot sell this. something that's a hundred right. times stronger than it's supposed to be. And hopefully that's a warning to other people looking to do the same thing. Exactly. And I'm sure there's uh, a bunch of people uh, hearing this story in Southern California who would love to use that product right. anyway. Trying to get their hands on it. The same sure. kind of people who aren't happy with white teeth, they want them to be translucent or glow in the dark. And I always tell them, just go down to Mexico and get a black light installed under your lip. That's probably the easiest way uh, to do it. Thank you, Megan. Now let's go ahead and take a look at the case of the week. So here's a pretty typical biotemps case. You can see we've got uh, two teeth that are broken off nearly at the gum line, the central incisor and the first bicuspid here. And so the doctor wants to um, prep all these teeth and then replace those two that are broken down and missing, which is going to be fine. And I'll grab the opposing model for a second here. And you can see, again, the patient really doesn't have much in the way of uh, posterior teeth. And as we put these two together, you'll notice that there's really nothing in the posterior to help us get this relationship. Now, the doctor took a bite registration, but it was just on the anterior teeth. And so when we go to put these together, when we went to mount it, you can see that we still had the, uh, a little difficult time trying to figure out where these ridges would be in relation to each other. And I know it's asking a lot to do a bite block for a case like this. You know, I doubt you would order a bite block in advance and have the patient bite into it. So we got some posterior support. But another way to do it is just kind of with a, a mush bite or even just mix some impression putty and have the patient bite into it on their edentulous ridges. I, I mean, it's far from perfect, but at least it gives us an idea if we're on the right track when we go to hand um, articulate it. But we were able to our, articulate these two together. And once we do that, what we actually do is take and make an index record of that. And so we will take some, we'll take some impression putty, the same kind that I just mentioned to you. Once we have it mounted on this articulator and we push the impression putty in between the two arches like that and up against the palate to support it. Once we've determined the correct position, the correct vertical for where those edentulous ridges should be. And what that allows us to do is when we actually do our biotemps, and you can see here the biotemps are already prepped and on the model here, but we want to be able to transfer that bite relationship to what we're doing with the biotemp models. And so at this point, you can see that we're closed down onto that putty because we've prepped all the teeth now. So even if we had good anterior stops, we have now lost them by preparing the model uh, for the biotemps itself. So we have the biotemps here. It's been made as a one unit, and that's what I would do for a case like this. And I want to point out uh, here on the PONIC, we've got the development of the ovate PONIC receptor site here. So you can see when we look at it, and this is such a great way to develop that, you can see those two centrals are the same length. And keep in mind that tooth number eight is an abutment, as you'll see there, and tooth number nine is a pontic, but we want to make sure that when they're sitting on the tissue, these gingival levels are the same on teeth number eight and nine, because that's really important for the overall aesthetics of this case. So as we put it back onto the model itself, you can see that what they've had to do, we've now achieved that. Eight and nine are the same length at the gingival margin, but to do that, we had to socket this model. And we tend to go about five millimeters into the tissue. You've probably seen some videotapes where I've gone in before and created that ovate ponic receptor site if the extraction had been done years ago with either a hard tissue laser 
or I can do it with a diode laser. I can do it with a round burr once we get to the bone, or you can do the whole thing with a round burr as well, creating this ovate ponic receptor site if you've got a full ridge there. This is a great opportunity because of the fact that we've got that broken down tooth in place that the day we do the extraction of that tooth and the one behind it, we're gonna have this open socket here. And so it's perfect. I don't need to pack anything in that socket. I just need to extract the tooth, squeeze it with the cotton gauze, and then we reline the biotemp bridge into that spot and we're gonna end up with an ovate ponic receptor that the tissue's gonna heal right around that. And this is gonna look gorgeous. We're gonna give this six to eight weeks to heal. And by the time the tissue has the chance to heal around uh, that biotemp ovate pontic, it's gonna look perfect when it comes time uh, to make the, the final restoration, the permanent bridge here. And so using a biotemp bridge in conjunction with extractions being done that day is a fantastic way to really get a great shot at having a nice looking ovate pontic receptor site. The second case I picked up is another fairly typical uh, biotemp case where we've got uh, a broken off tooth that's gonna be extracted and actually due to periodontal reasons, the dentist is also gonna take out the other three incisors. So uh, all four of those teeth are going to be missing. And if we look at what we received from the dentist, we have this lower model and we have our upper model. And again, you'll see when I put this into place and look at it, there's still a little, we have better posterior support here, but we're still missing just a little bit when we get a bite registration on the anterior teeth only, but we do have more teeth here, and so we're able to dial this in. But again, a little putty behind those edentulous arches uh, can do a lot of good for just helping us to double check that we're in the right place. But we were able to mount this one without uh, too many issues, and I'll show you this case now with the biotemps in place. And one of the things that I like about what this dentist did here is you can see his plan is to prepare all these teeth. In fact, he's preparing two teeth on each side and you can see the four uh, extraction sites that will become the ovate ponic receptor sites there. But you can see that these two teeth have remained unprepared. So the doctor's gonna prepare everything except for these two, and that's really smart in a case like this. If you don't do a lot of full mouth cases or full arch cases throughout the year, and just looking at the numbers of uh, crowns that we get in, we can see most of our dentists don't do a lot of those cases. Most of what we get in here at the lab and most of the dentistry that's done are one unit crowns and maybe two single unit crowns next to each other. So what this doctor has allowed for himself is a centric stop. So during this entire procedure, during the provisionalization, while well, he relines the biotemp, when he takes final impressions and final bite registration, because he has kept these teeth in contact, he's maintained his vertical stop. And losing vertical and the patient not being able to get back to their bite again uh, is a troublesome thing and something that definitely happens in full arch or full mouth cases. And so by leaving these most distal two teeth uh, unprepared, he's making sure that he's always got his vertical. So when he actually uh, goes and puts the final restoration into place, he knows he's got the patient biting in the same place they were biting before. And of course, this is one of those cases where he does want the patient at the same uh, VDO that they were before biting in the same place. And then it'll be up to the dentist whether or not these two teeth need to be crowned uh, at a later date. But that's a great way to do it by keeping those uh, stops there. So again, all this dentist has to do is extract these four teeth in the anterior and prep the two here and then reline this biotemps bridge. And again, you'll see that we can just see that ovate ponic part on the biotemp just slipping into those extraction sites. And so again, this is just the easiest way to take advantage of the fact that you're doing a same day extraction 
just such an easy way to really create a natural looking uh, emergence profile where it'll look like the pontics on this bridge are, are literally growing right out of the tissue because they are. I mean, there's no root there, but they're coming right out of the tissue. Obviously not as important on a set of lower anteriors as it is on upper anteriors, but you might as well have it look good as long as you're doing it for the patient. They're going to at least look at it once while they're in your office. So uh, biotemps, one of the great indications for me is to use them at the same time, the date of extraction to create some beautiful ovate ponic receptor sites. That about wraps it up for this week's edition of Chairside Live. On behalf of myself, Megan, and everybody here at the laboratory, I want to thank you for your time and your continued commitment to quality dentistry. We'll see you next time. Today's letter comes from Dr. Rip Zepka. And Rip, Ro <laughs> <laughs> Rip Roar, good time. The legal limit of hydrogen peroxide is 0.1%. Screwed up, there's people rolling anyway. Yeah, there's. On behalf of all of us here at the lab, we are, that about wraps it up. <laughs> oh, goodness.